Welcome to the MVG Podcast. Uh, this is episode four. Across from me is Will. I am David. Uh, we're going to about, talk about some some of our pet peeves today. Uh, as usual, we're going to talk about gaming news, entertainment news. Uh, I I finally beat uh, the game I'm playing. Uh, we're going to talk about just kind of some of the older games, spiritual successors and stuff like that. So just kind of getting into it. Um, Will. Is there any pet peeves that you have in video games and, and movies? Um, I do have a pet peeve outside of video games and movies, and I'm hoping that my co-host uh, knows that and that he turned off his phone this time. <laughs> my phone <laughs> is not turned <laughs> off, actually. So you might want to do that. It's no big deal. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm doing it. Anyways, um, let's see. Pet peeves in video games. Actually, I have a ton of those. Um. I'm really picky when it comes to playing uh, the games that I play. Um, one of them being backtracking. It probably doesn't... It. It's kind of the reason why I don't usually play Metroidvania type games. I love it. I know you do. I want to do the same thing over and over as much as I possibly can. I know, right? But then this time you have a new ability so you can do it more. Exactly. No. No, I don't, I don't, I don't love it, but I don't hate it. Yeah. Well, I mean... It's a, it's kind of a pet peeve, but again, it's one of those things where there's always like exceptions to the rules. There's certain games that are able to do it in a way where you don't feel like the backtracking is just kind of a way to extend the game time. Like where you feel like the developers just got a little lazy and they were like, "Fuck, let's just, you know, let's just put this here, you know?" Cuz or, or let's make them go back to the area so we don't have to make a new area, you know? Um or well, it's all. I mean, it, it's all pretty much just a, just padding. You know, going or finding ways to pad the gameplay when you have a relatively small world that you're working in. Right. Well, I mean, and back in the day, there was a lot of like hardware constraints that pretty much made it to where you can store a whole bunch of geometry data on the on like a cartridge or something for N64. So it was better to create a world and then create different ways to explore said world add like verticality to the world and make it to where oh now you have a glider so you can get up to the top of the mountain but we don't have to render a whole new place it's already been rendered before you know it takes a little bit of time to load but now that it's all rendered you don't have to uh, you don't have to go back so for you so as whereas it was really like you had to do it before they get the most out of these games that you're making on these uh games with lower you know cartridge space and everything yeah so now that they still do that is that your biggest pet peeve or was it a pet peeve even even then i feel like it was a pet peeve even then um actually when i played uh like games like uh, metroid prime that still required a lot of backtracking but it's because it's a metroid type game they kind of have always had those mechanics so it was fine but at the same time they were they kind of pushed the envelope in the way they did it. So it didn't feel like I was backtracking at the time. It always felt like when you got to, I think the way they arranged the stages, that's it. They arranged the stages in a way to where you never felt like you had to run back the way you came. By the time you finished an area, you got a new thing. It opened up a path that led you back to the thing, but you were still following the new path to get back there. And then when you yeah, got they- there, it felt like a new area because suddenly they roll you in. Like, you look, you know, you turn into a little ball, you roll into the air, and suddenly you look up, oh my gosh, I could use my missiles right up there, because they <laughs> position you to, like, to, to know those things. It's very innovative. But you're right, though. They, these uh, new skills or whatever, they'll give shortcuts. So yeah. So, it's not so, like you're going 
everything all over again. So yeah, I don't like having to like literally rewalk the path that I already right. walked, and I think that's probably the the pet peeve part of it. But in terms of being innovative, like if you have a way to where you can put me in that spot, and I don't even really truly realize I backtrack until I open up the map and go. Holy crap! This is the opening area. Yeah, but now that's, I'm looking at that's it from good a different map design. Angle. Absolutely, right. and that and that's 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 the way to go. But I, I think with all, any of my pet peeves, it's always like I can look at something and then I can and I can determine whether or not it fully fits that. Or I mean, innovation is one of my the pillars. And if you can innovate an old tired idea, then by all means innovate. And that means that you can you can breathe fresh life into something that. Maybe it got a little uh, a little tired, you know? So how do you feel about doing the same section of a game at least five times over and calling it a different chapter? <laughs> Are we talking about <laughs> Bravely Default? No, just, uh, I mean, that's just in general, you know? Yes, yeah, so I'm um, talking about Bravely Default. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually really not a fan of that. Um, I don't, I think... Um, Actually, you know what? One of the games that re- that I recently played and that I recently tried to get back into, but I don't think I will, is uh, Metal Gear Solid, the the newest one, uh, Phantom Pain. Mm-hmm. Um, what they have you do is you get through like half of the game, and it seems like holy crap, this is the climax I've complete. But then you're not done with the game; you're literally halfway through the game. In order to get further, the next mission that you do is like a recap, but a harder version of one of your first missions you did. So, you're doing the exact same thing, but on a harder difficulty. And to me, that was like, okay, ramping up difficulty does not mean new content. Right. It just means it made it harder. Plus, if I'm one of those people that's super skilled at these types of games anyways, ramping up the difficulty does nothing to me because I already played it as stealthily as possible the first time around, and I've gotten everything. So, why do, why do I... Now you're making me sit through this just so I can progressive story like adding those kinds of things that and bravely default of course that's really killing me like i literally have to go, go back and do all the same things over again simply because like their story it seemed like the story was like moving in a good direction and then the story did that and i almost feel like they could have made a cut scene or like a little montage or like maybe you go to the first one and, and like a rocky montage, montage. the rest of them you know that kind of thing but they don't it's like no, you really have to do it. Like, and they tried to make the story like. Uh, <laughs> I did. I remember when I played it. I did pause a little bit, and I was just like, "Wait, really?" Yeah. Part of me actually almost thought, "Did I do it wrong? Did yeah, I go I in there not high enough I, level?" Yeah, I had or to something? look that up. I yeah. thought I, I thought I messed up. So. So that, that kind of stuff is yeah, that's yeah. not the best. But again, there's games that do it better. Final Fantasy fourteen. They actually have you redo some dungeons. I mean, as typical MMO uh, grinding and stuff like that. But when you unlock like a hard version or an extreme version um, of a dungeon, what happens is they look at the dungeon and they go, okay, so there's certain paths in the dungeon that you haven't taken yet. Actually, you know what? Maybe we'll take you in a reverse route, but we'll give you a reason to be there. And most of the time it'll be story reasons or like a side mission reason. So all the monsters will change or most of the monsters will change. The bosses will change different mechanics. Like, all those kinds of things. So, you breathe fresh life into maybe, like, an old place, but you're giving the player something to do that they haven't done before, you know, in in the same surrounding. So, they're, like, recycling the same, like, places. And even then, some of the places end up getting 
changed completely for the hard version of the dungeon. You know, like so maybe one time you went through and you're going through the sewers, but then the next time you're actually on the top level and you can kind of tell that you're in the same place, but you're like above everything else and you're going through and you're fighting cultists instead of uh, instead of lizards this time. So as long as the challenge changes, you're okay with it. Yeah. It, so it all say leads, like it all leads back to innovation. Don't so say you're like you're playing a Metroid game. And you've played through, and the the ground's been solid for the area previously played, and then you get the grapple hook, and then all of a sudden, most of the ground is is like lava in that area, and now you're fighting enemies, but then you have to grapple between something like that, like that's so, okay. Or so is that more in, annoying? Okay, in doing that, do you? Are you doing that just to make sure I have to use the grapple hook to get across certain areas? Or does it actually breathe more gameplay into? Like like you were saying, are there enemies that take advantage of the fact that you have to use your grapple hook to hit them? Or you have to use your grapple hook to get within range to hit them or right. stuff like that? So if it does you know, lead to better mechanics in that area, or different mechanics in that area, a new challenge like you said, then I'm kind of a fan, but even then... Don't make me just retread the ground just to retread the ground. So, right. like, if I'm just grappling over it just to get back to a certain area that I was at before, then no thanks. But if you have it, like, maybe, I don't know, something's coming up behind me. I'm kind of just, like, rushing through this area. And maybe maybe take me on a different path. Maybe close off the path that I came in on and make a new path where I'm actually going to, to like, grapple around places. Right. And then you get, And then you can get me back to the same hub place. That's fine. But I remember, well, I mean, it does kind of work with uh, for a good, like, okay, you got, well, so, or in the Blind Forest kind of does this where you get a new skill and then you have the same path, but you have to use that skill to get back through it. Kind of like, and it's just kind of, it's just kind of teaching you how to use it. Um, just like Super Metroid, I remember you got the, the dash boots or whatever they're called. And immediately as soon as that happened, the lava starts rising in that room and you have to use your boots to get through that real quick right it's just kind of it's just kind of like a demonstration of how this new mechanic works those are the best demonstrations though those yeah. are the literally like i i hate when when games feel like they have to hold your hand and give you a very very specific tutorial on certain things i would prefer for them to look at the player and go i assume he knows something about video games and give me an example of how to use set things you know thank it's, you for uh letting me segue into my biggest pet peeve there we go um <laughs> but yeah oh, so yeah my biggest pet, pet peeve I, and i didn't even think about that i was more so thinking in the in terms of uh like movies and shows but i forgot they do that in video games where they just they over explain stuff that is obvious mm -hmm. and i remember i was just watching uh fear of the walking dead there's this episode where there's this well, I don't, I don't know what they're called in this world. We'll just call them a walker anyway. Mm -hmm. There's a walker in this tree, and this little girl is, like, fascinated for for whatever reason. And uh, and they keep on showing this walker in the tree, and, and, and the episode's a little bit about faith and da-da-da-da, and her destiny, kind of. And at the end of the oh, episode... Destiny and faith? Oh, jeez. Okay, continue. <laughs> uh, that's a game that Will's walking, working on, just so you all know. Um... <laughs> So at the end of the episode, what do you think happens to this walker? He's up in this tree this whole time. 
He doesn't kill anyone. What are it some? Falls down and it kills a little girl. No, no, it doesn't kill anyone. But it falls and it saves them. So I don't remember how, but it saved them somehow. But then, but then, <laughs> one of the characters had to say, "Oh, it fell from the tree. That's the reason we were saved." Even though, yeah, I, I see that it's on the TV. I know that's what happened, but they don't have enough faith in their audience to figure it out. So they overexplain it, and it happens all the time in TV shows. What happens all the time in really any kind of media, yeah. uh, whether it be cartoons, movies. Well, you watch TV more shows. anime. Does it happen yeah, in anime? Too? Yeah, they do it a lot. Where they're like, "Oh, are you telling me the sun's here? That means it's gonna be hot." You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like that's awesome. But I know that the reason why they do it is because uh, that's kind of how, well, for animes at least, it's kind of how the the mangas are written because sometimes things don't translate the same way. Well, a- anime though is written for children. Some, mm, yeah. But no, well, like okay, so if you're drawing a panel and mm-hmm. there's a sun, there's nothing to say that the sun's gonna be really hot. You can maybe try to draw like the little heat waves kind of thing, but it might not translate the same way in a solid yeah, panel. Visually, they have sweat, they're drooped over. Right, like right. It's, it's a burden do, on you them. You can do all that stuff, yes, but I'm saying that those are shortcuts you could take by just saying the thing. And then when it translates over to actually being animated in anime, like you could have like the full effects, but some, somebody still has to say it because it's a translation. Or it's like a, it's, it's going from one media to another. But. I'm not. I'm not a really big fan of um, exposition in favor of a novice to media. I guess, like you know, like when they say things because they assume that nobody knows what the things is, mm. even though. But some but it's best... not like it's not like, oh my gosh, I don't know what just happened. I don't enjoy this anymore. I'm never gonna watch it again. You know. Prime example, Westworld. They don't explain barely anything in that show. Yeah. But as you go through the show there's some gratification you get when you, you figure it out and they don't have to tell you to your face everything that they did they just show you it's that's one of the advantages of that media they can tease you with certain things they can jump around and eventually it's up to you to determine what part of the, the timeline that they're actually in while they're showing all the things to you and and the weird part is that I don't know was that on Showtime or, or HBO, yeah. and like the HBO executive had to come out and say, "Well, this show's not for everyone," but like, this is weird that they even have to say that. Just this is our show, like or hate it. There you go. Simple as that. There. Yeah. Um, but this this impl- do you you don't like this in video games either? Mm-hmm. No, it's kind of. Uh oh. Mm. One of my pet peeves just happened. The phone vibrated. Uh, <laughs> Um, in video games, um, I guess, I guess I can't really, what was, so what was the, I'm sorry, what was the situation again for video games? Like, were they, um, I don't know, were they, were they interrupt your gameplay to, like, put, like, a whole bunch of text, or they show, like, to tutorialize you yeah, on how to yeah. use certain things, as opposed to, you get an item, and they give you a situation to use that item in? I, okay, so I suppose. I prefer that, but I guess I guess in video games I'm definitely more forgiving. But I guess it's I guess I've played video games for so long that it's just kind of become the norm that you know back in the day they would just do text and I'm like oh, okay that's what it was. <laughs> but usually they let you just skip over it, you know. 
Right. But then sometimes there's parts where it's a tutorial and you get a new ability, which maybe you won't even use in the game. And, but then the tutorial's like overly hard and you're just like, oh my gosh, I just want to proceed in this game. I'd rather just have read some text and figure it out along the way. Right. That's, um, I can't think of any examples, but that's definitely happened before. DMC, Devil May Cry, kind of did the same thing. Um, when they introduced like new ways to do certain abilities and the combos and is, stuff, is required. that the original Devil May Cry or DMC? No, DMC. DMC. Okay. Um, and they showed certain things where you had to get like combos and air things, and you had to do like certain abilities in order to like move. I think you had to do it to move on, or maybe it was just when you were testing new abilities. Either yeah, way, I actually know. kind of like the way they did it because it was an interactive way to do that it. That was actually a pretty good game. I like I, a lot of hate. Better. It's just, oh, well, I didn't think it was way better than the other ones, but. I thought it was way better than people gave it credit for. Yeah, it was, it, it was a, like I get what they're it saying. It was a departure about, from the original. Yeah. Yes, but that's the reason they why like they didn't say aesthetics. Devil May Cry Five. They said DMC they blew Devil up May one Cry. of the pillars of the game, and people were angry. And what is that? White hair? <laughs> no, the uh, graphics, the the tone, and everything. Oh, uh-huh. like it used to be really gothic, and then all of a sudden he was all emo and all that, and it and it changed. Yeah, I think. You know, that would be different, if, or it would be bad if they didn't start off the game with that. They established right off the bat that this was a different game. Yeah. It was never advertised as a Devil May Cry game. It was advertised as DMC. Eh, I guess it has Devil May Cry elements, that kind of thing. So it was like it was definitely like sold as a reimagining. So if you go into something knowing that it's different from the original... Why would you complain that it's different from the original? Well, I am I am curious now because now that they're making Devil May Cry Five, mm-hmm. like, well, that's going to be exactly like sequel to what everybody else wanted mm-hmm. because it's five. It's the next in a series as opposed to an offshoot. Well, Mike, I'm curious if DMC is now dead. You know, like, More is there going to be a DMC two? More than likely not. Yeah, um, which is which. It really is weird. It, it really was. It probably was the best iteration of the of the series. In my opinion, in my opinion. Um, well, okay. So think about it like this. So you have games like Monster Hunter. I've been playing that a lot lately. But you have Monster Hunter and you have like all of the numbered Monster Hunters. They're all very similar. They add more monsters, they add more equipment, they add more ways to play, right? They go forward. But then instead of saying Monster Hunter 6 or 7 or whatever they're at right now, right? They, they called it Monster Hunter World, which says to the player, hmm, this isn't numbered, which means it might be different than the other ones. And I think that's kind of... I think well, it's for supposed me, to be saying that as, you know, if the gamers actually get that out of it. That's, and okay, and so that's that's my that's my thing. Like, So if people say that this one's, you know, it's not very good because it's a departure from the original, I'm like, that's the whole point. And if you don't like it, Thing. you don't like it not because it's a departure from the original you don't like it because it's just not what you want maybe, maybe this is where they need to over explain yeah like started off <laughs> this is not a sequel to devil may cry yeah. 4 well yeah. i mean they they kind of did that with final fantasy 15 there's this is a game for i don't i don't remember what it says do you remember it's like a game for all gamers yeah pretty like much that. so yeah. New and old, and AKA the Kingdom Hearts ripoff, <laughs> the the the, the stopgap until they get Kingdom Hearts. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, it's it's still very <laughs> different combat. Yeah, I still, I think for I me, I can't just hold the button down in Kingdom Hearts. 
I have to repeatedly mash, 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 mash. Yeah. I get it. I, I guess. I guess. I don't know. No, I'm not buying it. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. All anyway, right. I'm still looking forward to Kingdom Hearts, and I did like Final Fantasy 15. I don't yeah. care what anybody says. I do feel like it had some things no, that felt a little good. lazy, but it just it just wasn't yeah. as good as previous entries. I mean, it's better than 12, obviously, but <laughs> I'm getting a little glare. <sighs> That's a pet peeve of mine as well. Bandwagoning on hate. He doesn't like games. glares. He has pet peeves against glares. <laughs> I have a lot of pet peeves. Um, <laughs> I'm All right, let's let's pet, let's just uh, let's move on. Um, actually, actually, hold on, one, oh, one more thing. One more thing. Okay, grind in video games. Okay, I thought so, you were talking about dancing. No, 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 no. Hey. <laughs> um, no. Um, okay, so I will talk about Monster Hunter World again. But um, there's a lot of games that they have this weird, unnecessary grind where they literally just it's a it's an artificial grind. They they put you in a place. Where uh, things like soft caps to, to levels. Let's just take, for example, Destiny. So Destiny gets you to a point where like you're leveling up super quick. Like you're getting your, your weapon level up super quick, right? And then you hit a point where that slows down completely. And then in order to make it raise in smaller increments, they force you to grind to, to get mm. you know, to get more stuff, right? But there's really no reward other than numbers. As opposed to, um, let's say, like Diablo, where they get you, you level up pretty quick. You get to 70, and then you get Paragon levels. But after that, the grind is to get certain sets and to get random drops and things like that. But there's always more goals. You so, know what I mean? So, how many, le- like, so in Destiny, like, um, for example, how many levels, like, so you get abilities, say, levels 1 through 10. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, they want you to grind. You're not getting anything except for numbers. Like, no, you get yeah, you get all of your abilities pretty much up front. Like it, like by the okay. time you get done completing the campaign, you should have all your abilities. And then after that, it's just a grind to get the number up, you know, or to oh. find or to find certain legendary weapons. Like that's just so after you beat the actual game, it's just okay. The only problem with that is there's not enough variation after that mm-hmm. to to kind of justify like the amount of grind that you're doing because well, for me, it will. Sorry, there's there's a finite end to the to the grind, mm-hmm. but in order to ensure that that finite end is further away, they add more to the grind, or they slow it down, or there was like a lot of controversy over what they did before. Is that the amount of experience you would get for certain things was actually cut as opposed to just making the level harder to get to? Like they they could have said you need twenty thousand experience to get past this level. Instead, they always made it thousand a thousand a thousand a thousand a thousand because effectively after you fully leveled up your prestige leveling after that right so you can get little chests so you can get shaders and things like that but what they did instead of just saying thousand 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 or or in instead they said thousand 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 and things that you might have gotten 30 experience for 100 experience before after you get past that certain point they slowed you down but that was all within a day so effectively somebody had only a day to grind they start off doing really good and they're getting their levels. And then at a point, the game itself says effectively, you've been playing too long. Let me cut the amount of experience you get. So you have to grind more. Those kinds of grinds are annoying because now... So, but my question is, does this grind happen during the campaign? No, there is no grind in the campaign. So It's in-game grind. 
what do you by in game grind? Um, pretty much all MMOs are games as a service. They always have it to uh, where the main part of the story, so like the main the, part of the game, is whatever you play through but it. You're the, done. Like the, basically the online portion of the game, where's the grind? Um, effectively, like okay. at, at towards okay. the end, pretty much like all of the good content is the grind. Um, but I feel like they tried to do what MMOs do, but MMOs do it with a crap ton of content. Mm-hmm. So you have quests in every single place you've ever been to you have crafting you have fishing you have whatever else you have well, to do for me since i you know i, I mostly only care about the campaign part mm-hmm. like for me i i, I wouldn't even notice i would have been like yeah that's fine that's totally cool with me but i guess i was if i was into that I, it would definitely drive me crazy so i guess i say all of that to say that i have been playing a lot of monster hunter world and i feel like they figured out a way to make that grind like they literally, it's almost like they tell you up front, there's going to be a grind. As soon as you start playing, they effectively tell you, you only get, you know, three harvests from the, from the, like the large monsters that you kill. And sometimes you'll need way more parts than that. Effectively telling you right up front, you're going to have to grind to get this. But in doing so, they did kind of the same thing that Horizon Zero Dawn did. And I mean, they've been doing it for a lot longer than Horizon Zero Dawn. But they made it to where your encounters with these monsters always felt like a new, like a new thing because you're constantly trying to figure out a way to, I don't to trap a monster here or to stop him from doing this or to break its head to like slow down um, its ability to breathe fire or to shoot its wings so it moves slower or break its legs so it hobbles around or whatever or to put it in a trap so you can get off like really good hits or something like that. So it's like always like a like a new way to go about it. But they're very transparent about the fact that the game has a grind. There's there's no if ands, or buts about that. It has a grind for sure. And that's what they're all about. Anyways, but yeah. I just, I just want to say that like I'm a really big fan of games that are they're, they're transparent about it. And then they don't do it in a way to where they're tricking the player. Um, so now I'm a little curious. So have you ever played Lost Odyssey? No, I haven't. Okay, so in Lost Odyssey, the way the they calculate experience, so essentially, say, we'll just relate it to like Super Mario Brothers, and if you actually could get experience in that game, and so in level one you can get up to level five, and you'll experience you get experience at a you know normal rate, but the closer you get to level five, the less experience you get for those same monster kills in the same area. And then up to a point, like, you just can't level up past that. Then you get to level 2, and then, oh, you can get to level 10. But the closer you get to level 10, the less experience you get. So, but you could you could actually, like, grind like crazy, but then, like, you know, so, so what took you, like, say, an hour to get to level 5? Mm-hmm. If you want to get to level 6 when you're in World 1, you would probably have to gra- grind, like, double that amount of time right. that it took you to get those it's scaling it makes sense though. So, yeah for but scaling it it, yeah it makes it so that you're not uh, so that's so do you like that um i'm not much uh, i think that's the only game i've ever rpg ever played like that when I, yeah when it comes to rpgs most of the time what they do instead of scaling the amount of experience it's given they usually scale the amount of experience that you need for the next level right so Effectively, once you get one, two, three, four, five, they usually have like a nice, uh, a nice little uh, metal curve 
And, you know, at 5 requires 7,000 experience, and level 6 requires 8,000 or 9,000. And then, like, suddenly it starts to jump up even more and more. So no matter what, you could grind this area. But these monsters are only giving you 20 experience to start with, and they're never going to give you more. So what do you, th- what do you think, uh, what version do you think? So in my head, the Lost Odyssey version would make you less um, likely to do the grinding. Because it just, it just has this feeling of not doing as much. But then when you see like a number decreasing there each time, I feel like, I mean, it could be the exact same it, numbers, like just like displayed parallel. in different ways. I was going to say it's a parallel though. Yeah. Like, some people would rather them show them less numbers, effectively telling them, hey, you're not getting very much. It's going to take forever here. Mm. Or people like seeing it to where that bar is filling up. It gets like you're starting to see only like a little tick every time. Whereas before the last couple levels, like it was because you were getting more experience relative to what was needed. So that kind of makes sense. But like I said, they're a little, they're a little parallel. And I, I would just prefer uh, kind of. It really depends. If the game is all about showing the numbers, then maybe something like that to where you slow down the amount of experience given. You should play that game, by the way. Uh, you are. I think you're missing out on it. Yeah. What game? Or Lost Odyssey. What console? It's for Xbox 360. Then I'll never play it. That's cool. I got. You. I got you. Sure. And Blue Dragon too. I've been. Wa- I've wanted to play that, but that's it's. <laughs> it's such a. Oh my gosh! It's such a kid's story to it. I enjoyed it, but I mean. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's like the kiddie version of Dragon Ball almost. I, I don't know. Anyway, um, I love I love how we have one topic and what we've we been like already half an hour in. Yep. <laughs> it's, it's all good. All right. So um, how do you feel about companies announcing the length of their game? So, for instance, Spider-Man is coming out uh, or is out at the time of this podcast, uh, and they announced that it, this is a 20-hour game. And I remember when they, I think when they announced uh, Final Fantasy XV, I, I think I remember them saying it's a 40-hour game, yada, yada, yada. Like, how do you feel about them doing that? It's stupid. Go on. What I don't think needs to be explained or shown is how, what the length of a game is, because no matter what, nobody's ever going to play it for the same exact amount of time to get to the ending Unless the whole game is railroaded in a way that shows that. This is an open world game. There's probably no way anybody's going to complete it in 20 hours. Unless they're doing it to review the game. And in doing so, they're literally powering through the game. Which, for an open world game, kind of defeats the whole purpose. That being said, if the value of your game is dependent on how long it is, you might have uh, some other things to evaluate. (laughs) Yeah. But in saying that Spider-Man is going to be only 20 hours long, that to me goes, okay, so they've got 20 hours worth of main story content. Skyrim effectively had the same thing too. But they had so much extra content that it didn't really matter that somebody told me, that was, if somebody would tell me it's 20 hours. Because I'm looking at what gameplay can I get out of it? Am I going to spend an hour just swinging around town because it has a nice, solid swinging mechanics? That could waste the time, and now I'm at 21 hours. So you lied to me about the gameplay, time, <laughs> you know? Well, there is the level of like, like for certain games, it comes to a point where, okay, you've played this game for 20 hours. At 20 hours, is it getting to the point where it's overstaying its welcome? 
yeah. you know, like, like, 20 hours experience for this game is perfect. Like, I'm s completely satisfied, you know, or is it, does that make sense? Yeah. Because I've definitely played games where, like, there's, there's that filler and... Like, it seemed like a great game, then all of a sudden got to that part, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this kind of sucks. So. I just, I feel like it's not necessary to ever say it. And if you are going to say it, it shouldn't be said in, like, press releases. I feel like that I was... I think this one was just a Twitter, it was just a Twitter answer. Technically, Twitter is press line. Yeah, that's so. okay. I mean, I'm not trying to like <laughs> See, say you're wrong. That is true but, because I yeah. heard it. I didn't hear it from Twitter. I heard it from a news article that quoted yeah. Twitter. Yeah. So okay. And, I mean, I didn't say that like saying, "Oh, you're wrong. You don't know what you're talking about." But I really do feel like that's what it comes down to. That is, you were wrong. But it's fine. Um, anyways, um, <laughs> I'm wrong. I'm wrong plenty, so it's fine. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't think it, I don't think it's necessary, and I don't think it needs to be. Like I said, in press releases, it definitely is something that maybe. It could be put in like the game description for people who do feel like that's a necessity to them. Yeah, I mean, I mean, because some people will be like, "I don't want to pay sixty dollars for yeah. a game if it's only twenty hours worth of content." Yeah, I don't really care about that. I, I just care about what experience I get out of it. Right. So, I mean, I yeah. give me all the features before you ever tell me how long you think yeah. the game is gonna. But be. but I did click on it because I did want to know, but then it's not like a big deal. So. Again, I understand that people want to know it. I think, though, from uh, from the game developer's perspective, it shouldn't be something that you... I mean, like, realistically... Oh, my gosh, i got to make sure my game is 20 hours long. Yeah. Well, realistically, it is something we talked about when we were developing our game, you know, for each character. But here's what we... Here's, here's, the, here's the, the difference between estimating how long you want something to be mm -hmm. and then telling how long it, it okay. is. Um, yeah, so, for sense. instance, if you're saying, I want to write a five-hour campaign, that means in your head you're going, I want to have a certain amount of dialogue, I want to have a certain amount of cutscenes, and maybe I want to have gameplay in a way that might be conducive to a five-hour playthrough. Or maybe I'm looking at this game would overstay its welcome at five hours. But that being said... Afterwards, the game may it turn out to be 15 hours for that five-hour campaign, mm -hmm. but because the game turned out to be a little bit more enjoyable, or you found out a way to either extend the gameplay or to make the gameplay not overstay its welcome at five hours. Yeah. Um, but yeah, th I also, I'd really like to know what they use to determine what the actual game time of a game would be. Or like, probably probably take playtesters. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm guessing. I, okay. I don't know. I, I would assume the same thing. So, uh, <clears throat> going into some gaming news, uh, since we, well, we haven't, this is probably about three weeks old, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, it was during one of the, I think it's games. Yeah, it was during Gamescom. Uh, okay. They announced, and this is just the stuff that I got excited about. Okay. Uh, they announced a Landsgrizzer one and two remake. Uh -huh. Do you know what that is? Uh -huh. Landsgrizzer. No, it just sounds like you just put two words together. <laughs> Have you ever heard of War Song? No. No. Okay. So, so I grew up during the, you know, I was I was five when the, or so when the Nintendo came out, and for the Sega Genesis, there was a game called War Song, which is effectively, just like 
Striding Force, just like uh, Fire Emblem, except for you had a general, mm-hmm. and you can you could hire units to be around it. Mm-hmm. So essentially, when you're going in, you have probably so if you have eight generals, then you probably have up to forty units on the map, you know, and your generals are way more po- powerful than your little peons and everything but uh this is for nes uh well it, w- it was for super famicom uh never came to america and i think oh, actually i think the one just like shiny force that's funny yeah but when i was growing up there was one of the games that i played all the time um and so this is definitely one of the ones that's really exciting to me Ooh, um i kind of want to play this one <laughs> except for like it's probably no Bahamut Lagoon, but <laughs> well, the f- probably not. But the funny thing is, is, is now if I played it, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I'd have like the patience for it, like moving each and every single one of those units each turn. But when I was a kid, I had way more time to play these games. So yeah, I'm actually. You know, it's funny that you say that. Is when I back in the day when I played Bahamut Lagoon, it was like crazy good i liked moving all my units back in the day when i played when i first played XCOM, i didn't have a job i wasn't doing all this kind of stuff all this kind of stuff like it's like oh my god these these games are so great and then you realize as you get older you don't have the time but (laughs) divinity i've been wanting to play that game for so long i bought the first one and i started playing it but then realized how much time it took to play it and i couldn't pick it up and put it i technically could because you can really just save anywhere but there was something that felt like I felt obligated to play, like full on. Yeah, you know, you know, if you start it, you know it's an investment. Right. Well, I mean, okay. So somebody could be like, "Oh, you played Monster Hunter World. That takes a lot of time too." But here's the thing: I do a hunt in Monster Hunter, and I save and turn off the game. Yeah, that's definitely not a game where you know it's. I'm sure it doesn't have some epic story to go along with it. Kind of does. I doubt it. It kind of does. It looks like garbage. And that's a. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> I was kidding. It's a preference thing. So, um, no, the story's actually pretty good so far. Um, it's pretty much like a like a migration, like an thing. anime. No, anime yeah. story. Well, it's very, it's very well, it's political, very, it's very, very serious. JRPG kind of, but yeah. anyways, they have a um, trophy dragons that are making this journey. I haven't really kind of got gotten to the point where like it explains all the stuff. So right now, I'm as much in the dark as the people in the scenario are. Which I actually, I'm a really big fan of that. Like where they don't just show you everything up front, and then your character's stupid, and so you're like constantly like, look to the left, man, look <laughs> to the left. That's everything, you know. Instead, this kind of scenario, it's just kind of we're learning things as the character learns things, and that I feel I feel like in terms of storytelling, that's a, it's a really good way to do things, especially with a game like that where it's very action based, anyways. So having all the knowledge ahead of time would make it seem kind of invalid the things that you're doing no, that you makes know? sense well there's sometimes when it works out but um so have you ever played the the grandia games at all i played grandia 2 okay so that's another one so they're remaking grandia 1 and 2 okay uh, which i mean i don't really know like when they say remake are they just like i feel like they've already have i think they have pc versions of the games already so they've already oh, really? been relatively uh, remastered yeah no i didn't see i didn't know that but I mean, for me, these are games I'm really excited about. Also, and then they announced I a. I lied. Hold on. 
They, oh, continue talking. They right. announced a Animusha remaster. Three or the first one? Just the first one. Oh, but I played Animusha three. That was the only one I played. With uh, with the with, one with Jean Luc. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but then they showed it and it looked like, you know, it's a PS two game, and then like, they made it look like a PS two point five game. So that was a little disappointing. Oh, their 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 remake of the game. Yeah, it wasn't like a it wasn't like a Resident Evil two remake. It was just kind of a we've upres the graphics. Yeah, that's called a remaster, sir. Yeah, it's a remaster. Yeah. But that was that was definitely a little that was kind of disappointing. Did uh, you, you know, play, I, did you play the the original Onimusha? Oh yeah, I love those games. Okay, see, I never was really a hack and slash fan, and actually, we found Onimusha three on like a um, we like found a used copy of it somewhere and. I think we looked at the back of the, the box, you know, back in that day, and we were just like, I thought I kind of like this, you know? And so we played it, and it the, the motion capture was really on point back then, mm-hmm. I, or for, for like, you know, for the time, you were like, holy crap, this looks cinematic, and it looks, oh, I can't remember what the third one's even called. I don't know. Something with demons uh, or something Samurais like in Time? I don't know. It was kind of like <laughs> so. <laughs> the whole thing. reason that they added this character uh, is because they wanted to um, they wanted to broaden their European their presence, and so that's why they brought him in because they thought that would help. Grandia Two is on PC. Oh, does it look amazing? It looks the same. Actually, you know what it does? Okay, so do you know anything from the PS1, PS2 era? Because the resolution was always so low, because... Thank you for talking into the microphone. Our audience appreciates it. Yeah, sorry. It. Because the uh, the resolution was so low, there was... Ev- like, you could... Al- it was always pixely. Like, when I played Final Fantasy twelve on PS2, it looked pixely no matter what. Even if you got the actual... Like little cable to upgrade your PS2 to 480p or something like that, and like you were just blow your mind was blown. Then if you actually take the disc and you emulated that on PC and you just upgraded the resolution to 1080p, the game looks way better. And it's just because the PC can put out a higher <laughs> resolution, and the PS2 couldn't support higher resolutions. But otherwise, like the resources were there. So I'm pretty. If you look at Grandia 2, it kind of looks like that's all they did. They, I'm sure they went back and they had to fix certain things, but... I, I am curious, though. I mean, they haven't released any... I, I found, like, one picture, and... Uh, oh, that looks, that looks pretty darn good. I don't know. We'll see. Um, I know this is making great podcast stuff as we look stuff up. So. Well, it happens, okay? <laughs> Demon Get Siege. over it. Oh, so, uh, three. Demon Siege. That's, that's fine. Show. I can just move on anyway. So, no, uh, I wanted to talk about this guy. I can't remember his name. <laughs> just a particular dude? Yeah, what's it, the the guy? The I, guy I want to say Jean-Luc, but that sounds like uh, oh. Star Trek. Um, <laughs> oh, great. You're really making some bad podcast stuff right now. Yeah. We can cut it edit. out. Okay. Edit. Okay. I mean, I don't think we should edit anything, so. Uh, where's his face? Jean Luc Picard. Is that his name? No, that's, right? that's freaking the, 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 the Star Trek dude. <laughs> I 
Uh, I don't know why I'm looking up at Onomusha. I could just look at The Professional. Oh, there you go. That was the movie I was trying to think of. Which is a great movie, by the way. It's nothing to do with what we're talking about. It's a great it's, it's okay. It's kind of ridiculous. If I remember right. Jean it was like my Reno. first girlfriend's oh my favorite gosh. movie. What's his name? Jean Reno. Oh my goodness. Oh, yay. Okay, so we got the first name right. I don't know. Yep. Luke Picard is definitely. I mean, just so y'all know, this is very important stuff to you guys. So, I mean, that's why we go in this extra mile for you guys to so look this up so you know <laughs> about Jean Reno. And Jean Luke Picard. All right, so moving on. Uh, so, in entertainment news. Um, Henry Cavall, Cavill, 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 that's the guy. Wow. Um, okay. He's gonna play uh, was it Geralt in the Witcher Network Netflix series? Mm-hmm. Is that his name Geralt? Geralt. Yeah, that guy too. Do you? You? I take it you have not played. The I have Witcher not. No, 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 no. I feel like you also have a lot of hate for The Witcher, and no, I have no hate for The Witcher. I'm actually. You just have no love for The Witcher. I, I um, I'm not quite sure. It's the type of game i like or if i want to invest that much time into that type of game but i like from whatever thing you've told me about it you know the the how there's no good or bad decisions it's just a decision i actually i'm very intrigued by it Mm -hmm. although it does bug me because i want everything to be perfect in my game in my gameplay like i want i want all my characters to be um um perfect Mm. So I can't, you I can't want think of the word your character to be something that you can never achieve. Infallible. Yeah. Yes. Okay. No, I was just saying I'm I'm infallible. Oh, I'm not. I'm not saying. Yeah, that. that's definitely a lie. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyways, okay. So, do you ha- do you feel a certain way about Superman playing Geralt? No, nope, I don't really care. But people seem to be very annoyed. It does seem. It seems like a weird casting for the character. I feel like they should have gone with somebody. I, like, I always go to the whole Heath Ledger player. and playing the Joker because everyone was all up in arms and he ended up being great. That's you fun. just never know. I think you know. You know. I also have not seen the new uh, Mission Impossible movie, and apparently he's good. Yeah, he it. looks like a badass in that movie. Yeah, which is something different from the roles he's been playing. You know, so. Who knows? He could he could completely surprise everybody and actually have the gruff voice and the the attitude. For I like the in role. the I like in the trailer where like he throws up his shoulders, kind of like he's like cocking a shotgun, but it's for his punches. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's badass. Um, um, actually, speaking of people playing outside of what we typically think of, the person who uh, was it Jason uh, Jason Bateman mm-hmm. in Ozark. I've never seen that, but that I'm not. I'm not gonna give anything away. The second season just came out. I gotta. I gotta watch that. Um, it is Jason Bateman. Yeah, it's Jason Bateman. Yeah. So, I always think of him as like kind of just whatever. He's this nerdy little guy, and he plays a lot of comedy roles. That's always his thing. He might play some drama here and there, but I would never think of him in the role that he is in this show. But again, it goes to show he also directed like two of the major episodes in the show too. So, he kind of has like the the Chandler humor in most of his uh, in most of his movies. Yeah. Now I think about it, just yeah, the yeah. really quick witted. He's quick witted, but sometimes he's a little like a little a little, a little out of it. He plays kind of plays stupid sometimes, but it's always like yeah. he does seem always seem like a smart character. But this show, like 
again, there's so many of these comedy actors that go from from being comedians to playing dramatic roles and do it so so well. Like, because I feel like they, I don't know. There's something about being a comedian apparently that preps you for playing the well, comedy roles. Well, I'm sure they, you know, they they get to a point where they've um practiced enough, or I don't know. You know, I always think that comedians though is like to be a really good comedian. I always think that you have to be a pretty intelligent individual mm-hmm. and just have a good understanding of of how people think in general. So right. it's probably not hard for them to put their themselves in a different mindset, you know. So yeah, that makes sense. Um so who knows? Um I'm also one of those people not to say to judge something before I even had like the actual information, you know. For all we know, he's playing a really small role in the show who may well, not even involve him very much. Oh no, much. no, he's he's going to play the title character. Like I, he so I understand he wanted that. to be play it. He was the one that that's fine, but I'm saying some of these shows will give you that this is a title character, and maybe they're going to go a completely different direction, uh, and he's not because he's not the only Witcher. Other Witchers yeah. do. Well, exist. just like just like Spawn, the new Spawn movie, like supposedly Spawn's not even going to be the main character. He's just kind of in the background type thing. That's apparently that's how the Jason Bourne books are. He's not even like the main character in those. Yeah. It's kind of from other people's perspectives, and they hear about what Jason Bourne's doing. Mm-hmm. So. Plus, I mean, if you really look at it, the the people who developed the Witcher, uh, what do you call it, the game, they said that, that yeah, we are going to probably do another Witcher game, but it's not going to be revolving around Geralt, mm-hmm. which means that there's stories involved in the world that can be done without the main character. Right. That being said, they may use Geralt as a way to catapult the story, and then just he could dip out or he could die. You know, if if anything is to be said about these shows, especially now on Netflix and HBO and all those things don't get attached most characters die and they do so in a very gruesome way and for all you know he's going to be playing the character for two episodes and suddenly this show's going to revolve around siri or or somebody else completely you know so i don't mean don't get it i'm not gonna get up my panties in a bunch (laughs) i did uh so you're talking about me playing the those games i did actually play the first bit of the second one and i remember it was so weird like He's like chasing that werewolf thing around, and I don't know. It's just, this is kind of weird. You know, it, he kind of does. It, I think like the way The Witcher is, it's effectively like a monster bounty hunter. That's mm-hmm. what he is. Yeah. Um, and he literally travels around, and people go, "Well, I got a problem with the monster," i.e., a Witcher contract. The Witchers come in; they know how to sense them, they know how to follow them, they know how to uh, track them. They know how to kill them. They know their weaknesses and all the other stuff. So that's all. Th- that's all they do. It's just that this Witcher happens to be involved in a lot of political things. I mean, the f- the second game starts off with like a huge, like it's kind of a tutorial on how to play the game, but at the same time, it's establishing the world and and how it wasn't. Wasn't the girl that got possessed like wasn't she like a I don't know a princess type character or some shit? Are we talking about? Assassin of Kings, right? The Witcher 2. Yes. You may have only played the first one. Um, I, I really don't remember, honestly. The first one starts off with a scenario. Effectively, you're sitting in a chair and you're being interrogated about like what happened that day. No. Okay. So, so it was two. It was definitely two. That's, no, that's what I'm saying. That's, sorry, that's the second one. Okay. I didn't play the first one. I heard the first one was real janky, so I just never got into it. <laughs> um, but that one starts off, and it's actually really nice. It actually kind of starts off like when a... 
It almost feels like that scene from the scenes from Ant Man where the the Hispanic dude, uh, John John Pena 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 is that Pena Pena. There we go. I'm Mexican too. You're welcome. I feel so disappointed in myself. Anyways, <laughs> um, when he like explains it and they kind of just do like this quick like go through, except for you get to play, um, through his explanation of it, and then after that is when the big story picks up because then. Like, you figure out where to go from there and all that stuff, other stuff. But otherwise, the game starts off really good. It's just, it, I don't think I was ready for the world as it was. I think 3 had a had a, had a a more steady curve into the gameplay, whereas 2, and this is just my opinion. I'm pretty sure a lot of people actually like the second one. Um, 2 kind of like, you were like here, slow, 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 and then like off the cliff. All the mechanics open all the world up, <laughs> that kind of thing, and I was like, "Oh crap!" So yeah, and I, I, mean, when, I when I first played, when I started playing The Witcher Two, it, it seemed kind of corny, and that's when I was like, "Man, eh, I'm okay." I feel like if I go back and play it, it probably won't feel, feel yeah. as difficult. I mean, I'll try, just, I'll try it someday, but I'm just, I'm not there yet. You could start with three and be fun. Haha, that's why I was too zoomed out, so I couldn't tell. Anyways, and that break was brought to you by Elon Musk flying you to the moon and back. Wow, <laughs> just wow. That's all I got. That's all I got. All right, so moving on. So I just beat God of War, mm-hmm, 2018, mm-hmm. not the original, and. It was still amazing. Uh, I I loved it. It very so much had kind still of still amazing, still amazing. So I said it was amazing on the podcast before, and it still hasn't let me down. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, it it doesn't finalize with with this at the end of this game. It's kind of a kind of does a Lord of the Rings type thing. So we're <laughs> obviously going to get another one. There has to be a part two. There is going to be part two. Okay. Um, but we going beyond that. Um, you know, we talked about pillars before. Our pillars of good gameplay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And... Well, it gets them all. <laughs> the, okay, uh, so as let's far start as... from the top then. Okay. Um, I will actually just ask you them, and then we can kind of go that way. Perfect. So, gameplay. How does the game play? Uh... It plays very well. Um, it, you know, it, it adds, it's completely different than any other God of War game. Um, it's a little bit, there's probably a level of Dark Souls to it where part of the strategy is dodging, blocking, and then finding your timing to attack. Um, but it's not, it's not so unforgiving like Dark Souls is to mm-hmm. where, you know, like it, it's definitely it's more difficult, um, but it's not something where I want to throw my controller across the room. So because I know nice. I know there's certain parts like you can definitely beat enemies that are overpowered, but mm-hmm. if you can't, you can still go back. You can level up and you'll beat them. Okay. You can go back and beat them. So, um, so that's my second my second one. Is the controls game fluid? Yeah, do you absolutely. ever feel like you're fighting the controls, or do they no. always feel like they're aiding you? In no way. That this game, uh, everything about it, like it's it's so solid. Um, 
the controls are perfect uh i didn't expect um i don't remember i i can't remember his son's name already wow i don't i couldn't i uh atreus atreus yeah uh, I thought that was going to be really weird having this extra character. At the beginning, it seemed kind of weird. Mm-hmm. And it turned out that he ended up being a vital part of the comp- combat. Uh, his character fit into the game really well. Um, the Without giving any spoilers, I mean, it's just... I You know, you do power moves, and they, they felt rewarding. Um, yeah. Okay. Um now, did you feel like the controls were consistent throughout, or like the gameplay was consistent throughout, or did you feel like you ever hit a point where the gameplay kind of took a left turn and it didn't seem, it didn't feel the same as it did when you first started? So there were a few parts that were a little bit of annoying. So okay. um, there's kind of a, a arena area, okay, and this will tie into the, the graphics portion actually as well. Okay. Uh, there's a, there's a section of the there's an arena area world. It's, I don't know, Musulfim. Something Norse. <laughs> yeah, something Norse. And that's the Fire Realm. And essentially that works as kind of a uh, arena challenge. And you just, uh, you want to keep on progressing through these challenges and everything. Okay. And and there was definitely, and, and it, that kind of seemed uneven. Uh, there was definitely parts where, it was a little bit frustrating. Uh, for instance, there's one where you have to, so if there's five enemies at a time, you would have to take down all five enemies at once mm-hmm. at the same, like they have, you have to kill them at the same time or they keep respawning. Mm. Like I always hate that stuff. It's kind of annoying. Um, but then it was, like I said, it was, it was kind of uneven where you, one challenge would be pretty easy and then you'd, do two challenges were ridiculously hard and then you do another one that's kind of easy and then you have the one where you have to you have to kill like a hundred enemies and i'm just you know when you have to do stuff like that it's just kind of okay this is just this is just tedious i i don't i don't enjoy that are these essential to getting through the game or it's not essential to get through the game okay uh just just like and i can't remember the other realm there's there's this other realm it's like I don't know if it's a dwarven realm or whatever, and it's it's another side quest, mm-hmm. um, and essentially the in this world there's all this mist, but this mist is poisonous, but it doesn't kill you right away, so you have Miasma? a time limit. Hmm? Miasma. Yeah, something like that. But you go in and you have a limited ba- amount of time to basically collect points, you know, arena points, mm-hmm. to cash in at the store and. And that's kind of that's another thing that's kind of tedious because you just even though the dungeon actually changes each time you go in, it's different, mm-hmm. but it's still essentially the same thing. It, it, the enemy variety might change too, but it's just the same thing over and over and over and over again. And there's chests in there, and you have to collect so many points in order to unlock these. Mm-hmm. And another thing that's tedious. Granted, it's not a, it's not required. You don't have to do it. Right. But I feel like. If you're gonna have side quests, you can definitely do something better. That's fine. More enjoyable. Um, so, well, that leads right into the next part. Um, the last part about gameplay. Did you find it enjoyable? All those, all those pet peeves or all those negatives aside, would you say that in the gameplay department that the that it holds up? So as an enjoyable game. 
So typically those areas in a game are, I mean, it's still annoying, but the fact that that game is actually fun where I actually like playing this game, doing the combat and everything, it makes it less bad, essentially. Okay. Okay. Um, okay, next, uh, graphics. You were talking about earlier that uh, the, are- the arena has something to do with graphics. Uh, so, everywhere you- in the game, uh, like, the game is, the game visually looks looks amazing. Um, and they kind of went with a theme for each realm, you know, it has mm-hmm. its own visual aesthetic, uh, but it still matches, you know, the original base theme. Uh, but it was a little annoying. Um, the fire realm, it really was very, it's fiery. very bland. Very fiery. Yeah. It just, <laughs> it was just, you know, and then like, you can't really see the background because there's all this smoke and everything. Whereas when right. you're in mid Midgard, I think, yeah, I think Midgard's the, no, what is the, uh, I don't know Norse mythology well enough. I think Midgard's Midgard one is of the, the realm of man. Wherever, where's the nine lakes? I think it was at the bottom of the world tree. I don't Come think they on, around. I don't know. Anyway. They are, I think they might be their own realm. But I the ma- main hub world. world just looks amazing. You know, it's it's kind of has the the Xenoblade look to it where like off in the distance, everything around you looks so gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And then you get to this fire realm and, you know, it's smoke is the background. And it just, it's very dull, very boring. And it's kind of the same way for this other world that, that, mist world you know it's just kind of it's just kind of bland and and they i think they purposely kind of make it like a maze so that they don't have to put too much detail into the background there mm-hmm. so well I, they fit to the the uh, i guess like the first question for graphics is did they actually fit the theme of the game though did they ever feel like the like the way that the graphics were portrayed they were something that was apart from where the game had established itself it, as? It was never, like, off or anything like that. Okay. It was just, in general, it was just kind of bland. Um, they, uh, they probably could have done more, but I think I'm most likely what happened is they were making the game, they made the main game, and then they wanted to add more, but right. they didn't have enough time to really... So you're saying they just wanted more gameplay hours? Maybe. Um, so... You were saying that the the visual aesthetic kind of changes per world, right? Mm-hmm. Would you say that even though their aesthetics changed, were they consistent among among the worlds? Like they they still kept with like the same level of detail, aside from of course not being able to see off into the distance, or so same level of detail in the land that you can see. Yeah, right. Okay, but yeah, not so, like, yeah. not being able to see far. You mm-hmm. kind of lose that whole idea of of. Uh, expanse yeah okay and then the last thing is do they stand apart from games with the same style of art did it did it uh did it do anything that made you think wow the artist that worked on this game was like was you know was on some other stuff or did it just feel like okay we're retreading things we're just maximizing the playstation it was it was definitely a game well i mean there's that but there is definitely a game where you have your moments where you you just look around and you're like wow that's that's pretty amazing just just the world snake alone mm-hmm. is pretty awesome to look at it so um Yormagon? huh Yormagon? sure okay that guy okay 
but yeah for the most part i mean it's just it, it really was it, it's pretty amazing uh whoever was the art director for that you know that whole team uh did an amazing job so okay okay on to the story which i heard was um actually pretty good a lot of people weren't really expecting as good of a story um and like you started off prefacing everything you weren't really expecting the kid to really uh be anything good like thought it was kind of a shoe-in thing now is the story your type of preference when i say preference i'm thinking linear branching that kind of stuff is it was it the kind of story that you like to see in video games uh it did it yeah absolutely it it did the whole so you have your main linear story okay progression but a lot of the side quests and everything um it, it just they felt like they fit in that world um mm-hmm. whenever when, when, like when you're playing the game if it was anything that wasn't the main on your main course kratos always was annoyed but then he <laughs> yeah he was always annoyed with the boy mm-hmm. you know why you want to do this but then he'd always accept it because he's he would say you know stuff like well this could possibly aid us in our journey so i right. accept it you know okay um <laughs> they they kind of there are some parts where they they were kind of poking fun at kratos a little bit about how serious of a character he is and uh i don't know that, one, that one's kind of hard to explain so i mean it, it's all right um well because you don't want to go too much into yeah to details and stuff so the next thing it's something that i'll bring up in every single pillar is is it consistent is the story does the story ever feel like you are on this nice path this nice road that's being paved for you that you're playing through and then suddenly nothing happens or like do you feel did you feel like the story was consistent from beginning to end it was consistent beginning to end so Um, it was was always hitting you with the with mm -hmm. the new details the new worlds with the new the new things to do and and the new development for the characters and whatnot i did i wasn't i was never annoyed with the story uh i thought it it was well, I mean, it's kind of weird to say it's well-paced because you can go and do side quests. But I always felt like when I did go and do a side quest, it wasn't like... Kind of like you're, uh, with Horizon Zero Dawn, towards the end of the game, the the scale of what's going on in the world, it just seems so large that if you, it's weird to go and do side quests. Right. It seems like... What are you doing? You got to go do this yeah, stuff. The world's gonna blow up. Why? Why aren't you doing the thing? Yeah. Uh, but Kratos. But well, just in general, it kind of helps that Kratos' character is kind of. Well, this is, this is my story. I'm gonna do what I want when I yeah. want to do it. So I'm sure that kind of helps the process. Mm-hmm. So and um, yeah. Okay. Okay, and last for story, did you feel like the motivations of the character or characters you're playing translate to you? Um, uh, do you know what I mean by that? Well, okay, we'll I'll explain a little bit more. Um, so did you feel like when you're playing through the story and the character does something or reacts to something, that you felt like that reaction was what you would have done? Or do you feel like that reaction was justified but what by what you know of the character? So, in other words, like, the things that the character that you're playing does, did it feel like it was out of character based on what you've played? Or did it always feel like you were playing a character and his reactions were what you expected them to be? Well, they they turn 
they turn Kratos in a in, from a two D two dimensional character into a three dimensional character. Like there's a lot of depth to his character. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the beginning of the game, he's really uh, he he's definitely progressed. At the very beginning of the game, he's definitely progressed from who he was during the original Game of God of War series. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but as the game threw us through, uh, it definitely it definitely lets you know what the new vision they want for this series to be mm-hmm. and. You know, I, I'm I'm all aboard. I I really did. I I like that part. Um, there was there was nothing. I mean, it's really hard to relate to somebody that like has killed so many people. Well, when I say <laughs> when I say you're relating to the character, I don't necessarily like putting yourself in their shoes. But I'm just saying, like, like as you're going through the yeah. journey with them, you actually establish like a persona for what you think that person would go for to do. Oh yeah. Like so. So if you're saying that you start off with this character that is fiercely protective of his kid, blah, blah, blah. So later in the story, he doesn't just neglect his kid altogether. You know what I mean? You expect him to protect his child. Therefore, when it when that when the situation arises to do so, he did it. And so it, he, it fits his character really well. It's okay. uh, it's it's pretty impressive, actually, nice. uh, the way the way their relationship progresses. So. Okay. Um, so the next pillar is a is another one, and I talk about this a lot because it's something I feel really strongly about, and I don't. I feel like if you don't do it, it's just like la- it's just lazy game development, especially nowadays, especially especially with the budgets of these games. Um, and that is innovation. Um, does it stand apart? This is gameplay, graphics, story, anything. That, this can incorporate any of the other pillars into it. In that, um, yeah. How how if it does stand apart? How would you say it stands apart? So, as far as an, I, I, so it is a little bit similar. And I think I talked about this in the last podcast. It looks a little bit similar to the original Lego Marvel superheroes, where it has the main hub world, and and then inside that hub world, there's levels, mm-hmm. and it kind of has a little bit of, of that effect. And but I, I feel like, well, I actually think the Lego Lego Marvel game did it really well, and this one did it really well too um how to explain it so usually when you have this open world area like it always like i said like i was talking about earlier like it always seems kind of weird these side quests you do Mm -hmm. they always don't seem natural they seem kind of like they're tacked on right it did never felt it never felt tacked on um just because you know, the, for them to get to their main goal in general anyway, you know, like, they there wasn't a direct path. And part of the story is them exploring anyway. Right. So when you are exploring side quests, that isn't the main part. It's still it's an ex- extension of, um, of the regular game. So, and another part is, um, so, you know, there's games that have definitely incorporated AI. Uh, side characters mm-hmm. um one of the greatest ones being bioshock infinite um, yeah that's a good one she's I, still touted as one of the greatest ai player or like characters in all the video games and that she never got in your way she actually legitimately assisted you it was like crazy the amount of like intelligence that you kind of felt from the, a character like that and then yeah. I, I felt the same way about um atreus Atreus, jeez, why can't I say it? remember his name? But I, I did. I really did feel the same way about Atreus. Uh, he was, he ended up being extremely helpful to combat, mm-hmm. like a big. It, well, not to say that I didn't sometimes forget 
that I had that option. Right. But even when you aren't doing anything, he's still doing stuff. Like right. for instance, he'll still shoot arrows, and I'm not sure if it really actually damages them, but mm-hmm. he'll still shoot arrows at them. And sometimes he'll like he'll jump on their back and like start strangling with his bow, just trying to, trying to help stun out. them. Yeah. yeah. And so and so they always give these visual reminders that he is there. Right. So um let's see what else um i mean realistically the whole shield dodge hit with my axe you know that's that's nothing really innovative um the fact that he can throw his axe and have it recalled to him obviously that's not innovative because they you know thor from the movies does that right um but that's from a movie this is a video game so there's how many how many video games do you know that have done that? That's what I guess when I look at innovation, it's kind of really broad Zero. pillar. <laughs> it's a really broad pillar, but there is a lot of things that can be said about innovating, and it's usually small things. So the fact that he does but, have the ability to recall certain yeah. things might well just his axe, but yeah. Well, if, if he has the ability to recall the axe, that could be something that hasn't really been done too much in video games, or hasn't been integrated as a gameplay mechanic. Yeah, I can't really think of one, but. Uh, one of the other good parts, though, is is how it incorporated throwing the axe uh, into puzzles. I actually heard that was a point of contention for a lot of people. Like, the accuracy of things may not have been up to par, and maybe they were just frustrated because they couldn't do things. Well, maybe quick they enough. just suck at video games. I mean, that could be, too. <laughs> I, I, haven't played I don't know. There's so times I where I was... It took a little bit of... it. Well, I was able to do them all, so yeah. it wasn't impossible. Um, I you did... Like, I enjoyed it because... Okay, well, I can kind of, I can understand this one a little bit. So some of the puzzles is you throw your axe mm-hmm. and you position yourself to that when you recall the axe, that's when it that's when it hits whatever it needs to hit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't like, it wasn't something where I'm like there for an hour trying to get it. You know, it just took right. like five tries maybe at the most and, and then I'd get it. Okay. Um, but I, I, I mean, I definitely thought that was impressive. Um, was it, <clears throat> and in these innovations, was it consistent throughout the game? Like, was it something that you felt like they were constantly introducing new features and the features themselves always felt like they were introducing something new? Didn't really feel like they were just rehashing on things that everybody else has already done. And like, well, I guess we can do that in our game too. And we can do that in our game. Or I mean, a little bit had one of those things where, you know how you, you get all these power-ups and then you're like, well, I didn't need that, but thank you. And mm. you just keep on doing the same, your same tactics over and over and over again. One of the things I read about the game, and I get this just, uh, is that a lot of people were talking that the new game plus for the game, which is something I'm not like a huge fan of because I don't mm. typically replay games. Um, well, it, it can it ups the difficulty level. Right. So it ups yeah. the difficulty level. But what I was reading a lot about is a lot of people were saying, or not a lot. I think there was one specific person that said it, but a lot of people agreed with him. Is that it made you kind of use skills that you never thought you would use, or use like uh, different like runes or whatever that you mm-hmm. never thought you would use. Well, that's because as you got as you got further in the game, like you kind of need to be a little bit more slick about things. You need to be a little more uh, tactical about things. And I guess it, it it opened up those possibilities. And I was curious, did you play the new game plus? I I did not. Okay. Because because um, uh, now it's. Uh... So, so I, I know you heard us talking about earlier, but you know, one of our goals from this podcast is, is, uh, well, this is one of our projects. And then our other projects is we're actually, uh, making indie games 
and mm -hmm. uh so god of war beating god of war was kind of uh it was my break or playing god of war was kind of my break and beating mm -hmm. it's kind of our time to refocus back into game development right so so at that point i was like no i'm not gonna do name game plus i still have a few things i could have done the platinum the game but i said no I'll, i won't do that so <laughs> okay so um i put in here does the innovation play well with the other pillars but i'm going to ask you that one after i go to the next pillar okay so the next pillar is genre i put genre in here and it seems a little weird but i put genre in here because i That's feel like weird. <laughs> yes it is um because it's um, interesting to me that you didn't put sound in here it is very interesting Since that I didn't sound, put sound is in there, and i will probably and end up yeah. adding that to the uh, yeah. as well um but i put genre because certain games say for instance like a first person shooter might lose a big piece of uh of your like towards the game just because of the kind of game that it is yes. so by saying by putting the genre in there i think it it allows the um whoever's reading like you know kind of your review on the game mm -hmm. they're looking at it from the perspective oh they don't really like these kinds of games to start with so maybe there's certain things that they don't like but that's from people who don't like this type of game to start with you know so that's something we should probably start with then is genre yeah i'm, I'm thinking so too um but in terms of genres is this something that you actually do like are these adventure like hack and slash adventure so of? when <laughs> when my son actually saw me playing it he was like, "This that's just like Dark Souls. I'm like, eh, not really. But then I started playing it, and I was like, okay, it's a, it's a little bit like Dark Souls. But, uh, Dark Souls gives a bad rap in that it's compared to everything just in case it's... Like, people will say just because it's a game is difficult, it must be Dark Souls. -y. Yeah. So, but yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, it's, yeah it's a, that's what they said about Hyperlight Drifter. They said, it's Zelda slash Dark Souls, you know. Because no, it's, it's hyperlight drifter, but okay. Uh, well, that's, that's what they <laughs> said. They said it's it's because it's difficult, <laughs> which is, I guess it was difficult. It was but you do, but you do like these kinds of games. Oh yeah, totally. Okay, and uh, so if you like, interesting enough though, at first when I started playing it, it did take me a little while to get into the controls because at first I don't think I liked the new direction and the over the shoulder thing. Yeah, uh, just in general, but it really did not take me that long to be like, this is awesome. So, okay. Um, so, in saying that you like the game, you've kind of explained it already. It does fit into love the, the game. It it fits into the genre that you like, and it actually yeah. kind of maximizes that for you. Do you feel like it ever blended any of the genres together at all, or does it does it really feel like it kind of hones in on? on its particular thing or do you think it kind of reached out for other things to kind of pull me i i was pretty impressed so obviously it's different than the original god of war games Correct. uh you know the combat's completely different but there were definitely moments in the game that i was really impressed where i felt like oh wow this is just like the old god of war games just the 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 scale of what's going on sometimes they'll they'll really up up the or you know bring the antsy up so Okay. Okay. And so then, I guess going back to the other, the 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 last one that I was going to talk about, the uh, does the innovation play well with all of the pillars? Um, does it seem like the things that it tries hard to do, does it do them well, and not impede on the other things that you liked about the game? So, being that 
one yes. of God of War's like claim to fame is that they did switch the way the camera works because mm-hmm. before they had more like cinematic angles for everything. Yeah. It was all about like a grandiose experience for the game. Well, a lot right? of times they 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 took control of the camera. Right. Yeah. And this one, no, it was it's an over the shoulder. They they do it in parts though. Parts. So. Okay. Mm-hmm. So and and did you you felt like that was it, it worked out just fine with with the way they designed the game now? Oh it yeah. Didn't seem like it impeded yeah, on it. Definitely. Okay. And you know actually. I'll, I'm going to add this right now, and I'll probably type this as I'm going. But what did you think of the sound? Uh, what did you think of, the? first of all, the music? So the funny part is that <laughs> I am a terrible person to ask about sound. Mm-hmm. Because when I talk about sound in the game, my thoughts are, oh, yeah, it was cool. Or, eh, it wasn't that great. And that's about the extent of uh, <laughs> where I go with it. I, I mean, I had no qualms with it, but I... If I if you asked me to remember like one of the any of the music from it, I would just kind of be like, uh, I don't remember anything. Okay, so probably just like the monks, like oh, oh you know that type of stuff. Yeah. I remember some of that, but that's like, fine, barely. Because there's a lot more to sound than just the the music. Did you feel like, say, for instance, when you slice with the axe or whenever a monster fell or when a monster approached you or whatever, did you feel like those effects fit? Did they have weight to them? Um, a lot of people talk about, especially in action games, whether or not like when you hit something, the sound effect when you hit, should feel you should feel the weight of that. Also, sometimes what they'll do is they'll slow down the frame rate of the game. Or not the frame rate, sorry. They'll slow down the action of the game so that way like when you hit, it's like... For every hit, you feel the weight, whether it be from the sound or from the motion on screen. So, did you feel like the sound effects actually fit well with that, and did they they lend to the well, experience? I mean, you know, I, I really think this is something I just never even noticed when I'm playing a game. Honestly, uh, I remember when he throws the axe, it, it hits something, it makes a clanking sound, and when he calls it back, it makes kind of a you know swishing sound and Okay, well, uh, that actually, that's actually probably a better question to ask. Did you feel like the sound effects were intuitive in that if you did something and you heard it, like you would know not to have to look at the yeah yeah the HUD they, to they see actually did that, that um, like I, he, like the the boy has a has a summon uh-huh. that has has a recharge for it and when it powers back up, you know, it definitely makes it a certain sound. Uh-huh. But then, <laughs> but the funny thing is 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 most of the time when I heard that, I was always like, oh, crap. What what the heck was that? What's going on? And then I'm like, oh, yeah, I got someone thing back. So I thought there was, like, some other monster around me or something. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, for some of the, um, like, what, side quest type stuff, uh, you have to hunt or you have to destroy all of Odin's uh, ravens. Mm-hmm. And when they're by you, they make they make noise. But realistically, like, it's a little bit annoying because I never noticed, I, I, you know, when I never, like, I'd be playing the game, I'm not paying attention to this background noise. So I never noticed until I specifically was looking for them. So this pillar doesn't really hold much weight for you at all? No. It's kind of, okay. That's okay. Well, that's the thing. Like, only if it's bad. And if it's really good, you know, like, like for instance, the Persona games, like, I I totally remember the the music from those. I would probably listen to the soundtrack in the background if I was working on something. Um, but 
if it's in between, like sound effects and whatnot, yeah, you know, it really nothing really there. So, so your thing is for the sound effects and for the music, it's either great to a point where you'll remember it later on, or it's good in that it blended with the game. I felt like everything fit, or it's bad and I have something to say about it. Yeah. Okay. It's pretty much just those two those two extremes. Otherwise, I'm like, oh yeah, I had sound. Gotcha, gotcha. So I'll <laughs> I'll notice when it's bad, and I'll notice when it's above and beyond it great. But otherwise, if it's middle of the ground and it actually fits the game, then it, then it'll, I probably won't re- I won't recognize it. Then. I I like this. I hope uh, I re- I'm really curious to hear what our audience thinks of the pillars and and as far as uh, reviewing a game because yeah. we already know. Well, they probably don't know, but Will hates numbers for reviews yes oh so so speaking of numbers kind of kind of a numbering system but still kind of not the same what i what i actually look at is having the pillars if we if there are certain pillars that don't live up to whatever so say for instance there was a game where it got everything god of war is 10 10 out of 10 by the way huh god of war is 10 out of 10 okay cool (laughs) um anyways so okay we have gameplay and you said, great, right? Mm-hmm. Graphics, great. Mm-hmm. Story, great. Great. Innovation, great. Great. Genre was something you liked, so it was great. Great. And sound, it was middle of the road. You didn't really care. Good. I accept it. Good. Okay. Even though I, re- I looked it up and actually God of War is like considered one of the better soundtracks, like top whatever soundtracks. And I'm just like, okay. There is something to be said about soundtracks that do blend well enough into the background of a game and that they don't feel annoying because majority soundtracks have to repeat themselves. So if you don't find them annoying, then that sometimes actually might mean that they're better than the other ones that stand out because they're able to, uh, they were able to write music in a way that felt natural to your brain and your brain didn't have to pull the music out to analyze it it just fit it felt like it fit in that spot that makes sense uh i'll accept that but yeah in saying that that's that it kind of that kind of wraps up our our first actual uh game review game uh, review and i guess we're gonna kind of nvg games yeah what um <laughs> all right so well okay this so just talking about god of war in general actually brings me up to uh, one of our topics that might be a new topic that we incorporate into the podcast is uh, so Corey Barlog, uh, one of the creative directors for God of War, uh, they're at some event and they were talking about how, um, like, if you were going to make a Superman game, mm-hmm. how would you make a Superman game? And Corey Barlog was talking about how he thinks the way it would have to be is like you make it a little bit like Smallville, Smallville where he's discovering his powers. And he, he's, he said it was going to be like a crossover with like a Persona type gameplay because he's in school and everything. I don't really know about the Persona part. Okay. But my question is, if you were going to make a Star, or Star Wars, Superman game, how would you approach that? And with that, we're going to take a break. we are back i don't know where we left off i guess yeah you can go are we going 
Yeah. Oh no, we're literally. Um, oh, we're live. Yeah. Oh crap. Well, <laughs> we're back from our break. Thank you, Elon Musk again. Uh, I don't really give, give a crap about you smoking weed in the podcast because what you're doing is amazing. Mm-hmm. So, hmm. anyway, uh, so what we okay? Oh, oh, I now I remember what we're doing. Hey. <laughs> so, Superman. What? How would you make a Superman game? Like, okay, so we'll start with what would oh. Oof, man. Oof. I know exactly how I'm going to do this. Oof. Oof. <laughs> What's the genre going to be? Well, I'm a big fan of buzzwords, so... <laughs> oh, yeah, you are. <laughs> I'm going to say, an open world procedurally generated... No, just kidding. Actually, you know, <laughs> a Superman game would really definitely need to be open world. There's kind of no way to... You wouldn't want to railroad a Superman game. It doesn't really seem like that'd be something that would... And that's all you do is fly the whole time. You fly in a straight line. Or you could fly and try to do like obstacle courses and, <laughs> and times <laughs> runs. Well, you can make it top down and you can make it kind of like 1942. Mm-hmm. And he's just... Oh, and you just go... Pew, pew, pew. pew. Dang, you took my idea. <laughs> um, no, I would kind of... I would want to do something that is actually kind of... You know how... Do you, okay, have you ever played a game called The Crew? No. Is that the racing game, though? Yes. Okay. But effectively, they tried to model the U.S. I think they scaled it down a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. But effectively, so you should be able to drive from area to area and just be like nonstop. And I think majority of that area is kind of like procedurally generated in between. Okay. A little boring in between. But I want. I would think to make something kind of open world and have city centers for different parts of the world. Because if you ever looked at the, the Superman cartoons, a lot of it is central around Metropolis, but things happen elsewhere and some of the events are a little global um then you have the force of solitude that's not in metropolis as well right um so i would think to have kind of like a kind of a world map and have kind of a global feel to it but still relatively centered around metropolis but just have other places where things can happen i feel like something that would lead more to dlcs or side stories and things like that or even actually like bigger scenarios um and maybe involving other superheroes but i would would definitely want to go open world right off the bat um i would want to make it somewhat of uh, there's really no other way you could do it honestly i feel i mean his power is just too too big and i wouldn't i wouldn't want to do something where like smallville where he's learning to use his power i feel like this would be probably one of those things where you'd probably want to go with um oh i forgot to add this so his uh, Corey Barlog's one of his uh, main points, though, uh, theme of the story would be that he can't save everyone. Right. And him coming to terms with that, which I actually really like that part. I've always really liked that part uh, aspect of of Superman. But you know, go ahead. Sorry. OK, no, no that, that makes a lot of sense, um, especially with like quest designs and things like that. You don't want to just put a whole bunch of exclamation marks or question marks all over the stage. And so you, you have a little bit of a Witcher scenario then. Yeah, it was, well, in this case, you would actually do something similar to what they were actually what they were going to do in the Flash game, where they kind of have timed events. So that I didn't know they're making a Flash game. Or they well, they were making a Flash game mm-hmm. and they canceled it. Um, but effectively, what you would have is you'd have quests that could be done, but then if you're completing other quests, certain quests wouldn't get done. So mm-hmm. then you have kind of that idea, like it instills in you that idea that you can't accomplish everything at once. So I could see that. 
Um, or maybe having it to where certain things or travel takes a certain amount of time to get to certain places and things like that. So then in doing so, um, if you ever played XCOM, like if you're traveling from one place to another, it takes time to get there. So things could actually happen in another place. And then while you're doing this thing, like, yeah, but you can't he's faster than a speeding things. bullet. Still. Able to leap ri- tall buildings. I feel like one of the things that comic books always does, for especially for Superman and for people like the Flash, is they always slow them down for events. Like yep. no matter what, like yeah, okay, so Superman can get from here to here all the time, so he should be able to do a lot of things and accomplish a lot of things. But yet he requires to have all of the other superheroes with him because he can't do everything at once, no matter how fast he is. What what do they, what do they call that when they uh they dumb down the character or take away their powers? I don't know. Or just, or just make them more minimal. Well, like just like in the Flash uh, TV show, you know, like <laughs> sometimes like the the bad guy will get like like one scene he'll be like, I just searched the whole city. It took me like two seconds, and then like the bad guy gets away. And he's like, Oh, drat. It's gonna take us like two days to find him. You know, <laughs> yeah. And there's um. There's something to be said about how that works in the storytelling, and it might be it's a better thing in that, you know, as a superhero, you do make a lot of these people overpowered, and the mm-hmm. only other people to slow down superheroes is supervillains or other superheroes. And I think in a video game setting, you'd have to, you'd automatically have to slow him down. So in order to slow him down, or in, le- in order to give the idea kind of a slow, and that there are other things that can happen in the time frame that it takes for him to do certain things you would give it a broad... You would have to increase the scale of the world. So, the increase the scale of the world and scale the time frame um, that it takes to do certain things to to the story as a whole. So, effectively, what you would say, if, if you're doing a quest here, maybe that quest only actually takes you five minutes in gameplay time, right? Kay. Five to ten minutes in gameplay time. But you'd have to scale that to the world because as you're, if you're doing it in the world, maybe it doesn't only take five minutes and you have to still look, you're not going to, in the game, you don't want it to take 15 minutes for you to fly somewhere. So you're cutting that down to a couple seconds so you can load it in. You so know? are you saying something, it's something kind of similar to, have you ever played Heavy Rain? Yes. But you know what it is. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, either way. Is it something similar to that where like it's, it almost becomes a pick your own adventure? Kind of. I think here's the biggest problem with a with a Superman game is that in order to do it, I feel like technology has to be way better than it is because the scale of which his events happen, and because you can't make it like a Hulk game where you just destroy everything because Superman is a, a, a pillar of society and a goody two shoe. He's not going to destroy all the things except for he did in the Man of Steel movie. But okay. Um, you know, like you, so you're thinking about the amount of power he has. If he were to fight somebody, say for instance, Doomsday or Brainiac or even Lex Luthor, whenever he he decides he wants to fight Superman, there's a lot of destruction that happens. But do you is that the kind of stuff that you want to happen in the so, city? So, so does that mean that you're gonna have a scenario where um, he has to pay consequences? So if you're playing the game and you mess stuff up, um. Is that going to affect it? You know, like, like, so does he have like a popularity bar or something, you know, like, I think that's probably the reason why the Superman games never been made because 
if you or no, sorry, there have been Superman games. Yeah, there's been good games. Superman game. Um, it's because they want you'd want to put him in scenarios where you allow Superman to be Superman. The only problem is, in order for Superman to be Superman, things get destroyed, mm-hmm. and you don't want it to be like a like a Dragon Ball Z situation where every time they fight, most like they were always Goku will always be like, "Let's take this elsewhere," and then they'll go into the middle of a barren desert and destroy the shit out of that desert, you know, or like the you know they're just conveniently be rocks for them to fight on and, and blow up and power up on or whatever, blah blah mm-hmm. blah, right? But that never really happens in the comic books. If you really look at it, a lot of the things that happen, it happens within cities. Um, and I think, I mean, yeah, you could just write the scenarios in that way. But then think about the recovery time it would take after one fight with right. with it. And I mean, the, the Arkham games actually did pretty good because what they did is they kind of like walled off. So you didn't really feel the consequence of destroying Gotham. You were mainly destroying Arkham, which was a walled-off right. part of the city mm-hmm. where there was just a bunch of villains, so you didn't care about it. But Superman has never really had many scenarios, and because because of his ability to fly, his ability as with his super strength, there's not really been any scenarios aside from Kryptonite that would keep him from doing all those things. So you would have like one mechanic that I don't know, like he's. He's been shot by a kryptonite bullet, and he's forever. Th- he can only fly so high, or he can only fly so far. Is that what you do to keep him in the city, or you know what I mean? Or there's a kryptonite barrier. But then again, how how long does that last? How many hours of gameplay do you get out of that? How many actual like scenarios can you put into that if he only has one villain? You know. Well, I suppose you could do something. I mean, yeah, I I mean, you would have well, you would have to do stuff like that. He like like. It feels like you'd always have to do something where, because I mean, if you have Superman be Superman, then there's no power ups. It just is what it is, and then you have to worry about you know repetition. And um, but something to play to the point where you're talking about how it has to be open world. Well, you could, I mean, I suppose you could do something where you know you have these hub points, mm-hmm. but uh, the land in between those hub points city points made fo- focus points mm-hmm. is randomly generated area right you know? right and that's probably the best way to handle him since he's so fast and and each time he's in those hub worlds those hub areas that's where a, like a level would take place the story of the scenario would take place right and all the other stuff is kind of you know obviously you can throw like random side quests oh i hear somebody in distress and stuff like that i i guess you know it's really hard from my perspective, to try to design something that plays out in a way that I'm not a fan of. So for me, it feels like a Superman game would have to be heavily scenario-based. And it wouldn't be able to have like a big overarching story aside from saying Brainiac or... Lex well, Luthor you can't has really have like gathered all the villains together and yeah. they're all fighting. It. <laughs> but, but you, you can't have a scenario way. where there's a whole bunch of little minions because... Right. Because he would just and blow them away yeah and then i feel like well because then you go down to superheroes like say for instance batman who are he fights minions because he's just a person Mm -hmm. you know but he also has big villains but his villains also aren't all powerful villains either if you really look at a lot of superman's villains you have lex Luthor who literally has the technology and first the the i don't know a reason to destroy everything and then you have people like that he created, like Metallo and stuff like that, that just want to kill. Then you have Bizarro, who well, just 
Dang, I, I just I don't know. Like like in Brainiac, he but just right, wants that, to take those over are the Earth. those are the only people that he would have the fight. So I mean, you could do. I mean, I almost think that uh, Barlog is right though about the whole Smallville. You have to start in Smallville, yeah. Yep, uh, discovering his powers, mm-hmm. and but that's the funny thing because. How do you make a sequel after, you know, it would just be one Superman game. Mm-hmm. And um, which is fine. That's fine for there being one Superman. It doesn't dump. always need to be sequels. Yeah. But that but being you would said, have to dump, yeah, um, that's a lot of resources for a one off game. Yes. <laughs> you know, it almost it almost is like it would have to be a game where there's two main characters, almost two, because, you know, you well, just like just Justice League, you know, they basically Superman was dead, you know, the first. Oh crap! Is this spoilers? Yes. Does anybody care about Justice League? Spoiler <sighs> time! Superman died, but then All right, he Superman didn't dead die. the at the beginning of the movie, and then he comes back, and he has. You a should fake be able to figure it out. It was in the trailers. He had but, a fake lip. You know, like, like the rest of everyone else is struggling, and then all of a sudden Superman comes along and is like, <laughs> yeah. "I got this," you know. And that's how Superman's kind of seems like he's always been treated, where he's <laughs> now, he's Goku's next transformation. Now, one of the things I will say is that I didn't read the Superman comics. I didn't um, read the Superman comics. That either. being said, I have also heard that they they did add some more depth to his character as he went along uh, with his relationship with Lois Lane and and whatnot. The only problem that I see with all of this is that well, the drama is when he's Clark Kent. It seems like right. If you look at it, most other superheroes have the wear the drama on their sleeve, and it definitely seemed like they did make a character in Superman that was infallible and unkillable, unless with Kryptonite. He doesn't well, really have any other weakness. They had the only kill one, him uh, the only other ways they were able to throw it throw the Superman story off is by a dude like Red Kryptonite or something that makes him go crazy, and so somebody else had to put him down. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it always came down to. Superman has way too much power. And it's harder to write stories for somebody that has way too much power because you end up having to always escalate how much power the next villain has against him. You know, until you get to a point where they kill Superman off. Mm. Um, And then they bring him back because guess what? We need a super powerful person because now we brought another person into into the DC universe that's even stronger than him. I wonder if they're going to run into that problem with Captain Marvel. In the in the MCU, no, I think the MCU is coming to a close. So, I think they're I think they're they're like bringing in more and more powerful people to a point where they're going to get to their their penultimate battle. Well, they said that that Captain Marvel is the most powerful character in the MCU. Uh, hero. Sorry. Yes, (laughs) I want to say Sentry is the most powerful, but um, I thought Sentry was. DC. No, Sentry ripped Carnage in half. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think I think <clears throat> Captain Marvel might be the most powerful that has control of her powers. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we're terrible at this. Yeah. All right, getting back. It, um, so but it really is like, and and uh, I remember when uh, everyone was like, "Oh, Rocksteady's next game is a Superman game." Yeah, they probably and, were like we dodged that bullet. Yeah, <laughs> I, you know, I'm well. I'm sure they looked into it. Yeah, you know, but uh, it would be it would be a bad business move not to look into it. Yeah, considering the success of the Arkham games. 
but it, it it's still tough. So I have to agree with them. I, I think the Smallville thing... I, it's a good scenario. I think the only problem is that you run into is, like you said, once the scenario is fulfilled, where do you go from there? Or do you go from there at all? Do you keep it as a one-off or, you know... And even then, does the scenario... The scenario almost has to stop whenever he gets control of his power. Because after that, again, you, you run into the, the power escalation problem. Mm-hmm. And like I said, the scale of the game would have to go up so much that then you start bringing in all of the characters from the Justice League. Because a lot of Superman's stories aren't really standalone. He does have a lot of help from other people. Because when that kryptonite hits, he... Uh, he can't do crap. So how do you incorporate Clark Kent into the into the game? I think that's the reason why he wanted to add a persona aspect. Right. That makes sense. Um, to make a like well, a if you were an adult, thing. if he was an adult character, you know, yeah. and he was already Superman. Yeah. How would you incorporate Clark Kent? If I'm being completely honest, I wouldn't want to incorporate Clark Kent. Clark. Clark His name is Clark Kent. Clark Kent at all. <laughs> I think. Um, I kind of, yeah, kind of in the same way that the Bruce Wayne was increasingly not present in any of the Arkham games after the first one. He was, I mean, he was a little. He was bit. in the intro of the first one, and then the intro of, or intro of the first one, a little bit in the middle, and then the intro of the second one, and then after that, they didn't really care about Bruce Wayne anymore. It was all about, yeah. Oh, spoiler! Um, Bruce Wayne is Batman. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Then it was you then it, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I am Batman. Um, <laughs> then it was mainly just about him being Batman, and then, like, occasionally his identity would be like discussed, but it was never really about like Bruce Wayne's uh, enterprise, except for you know as the premise for the game. Um, whereas Clark Kent, the only way to use his premise, I mean, he's he's a news reporter, and the only way to really bring in Clark Kent is around Lois Lane. But nowadays, I feel like we've definitely got to a point where we're more evolved in game making and that we don't always have to rely on a damsel in distress. And it is actually getting to a point where most developers or most writers are actually straying as far away as possible from creating a female character for the sake of being saved by the male character. And I mean, in saying that... Except for Princess Peach. Hmm? Except for Princess Peach. (sighs) Princess Peach is cheating on Mario and she's been... been (laughs) She's been with Bowser for a really long time. And so Mario you're saying Bowser hasn't accept. been kidnapping her this whole time? No, no. It's, she's like it's willingly well going and she's like, shit, I've been caught. All right, I'll go back with you, Mario. Until it's, next it's a, week. It was a whole, it was a whole role-playing thing. And Bowser has <laughs> been, uh, been, 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 been the man for, for a while. And Mario just hasn't realized it. Mario's Luigi's just been trying jealous. to tell him for a long time, but he don't be listening. And so when she was like, Mario, she's actually like upset. She's mm-hmm. like scolding them. She just has that weird voice. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So, it, like in Super Mario Sunshine, when they went on vacation together, or whatever, it wasn't like vacation with Mario. It was vacation to go see Bowser. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What, wait, was Bowser in that game? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, but I well, I it. mean, not that we saw, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of hotels there. It's <laughs> <laughs> gross. Um, but yeah, no. Um, so what we're saying is, it would be hard there to could be never be a Superman game. I no, I'm just playing. I think I, it's possible to make one. I, I just, think, I almost I think, think that scale uh, would be um, it would be hard to. It would be one of those. Would you games do it as like a tale, t- uh, Tell Tales game? 
No, because I don't think there's, a, there's, enough, there's not enough depth, in my opinion, to Clark Kent to, to, to do that. Because with the Telltale games for Batman, it's a lot about Bruce Wayne. Well, and that's because I mean, Bruce Wayne is definitely his own character. A lot of Superman, well, I mean, I didn't read them, but I know, I mean, I know a lot of things, you know, his, his, his struggle with being, wanting to be a man in a world where he's, he doesn't belong there. He's, mm-hmm. he's an alien in this world. Uh, he has the powers of a god, essentially. Well, he has... What would be considered a god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. to people. Um, and so, you know, that, that responsibility. And, and you know, it was it was kind of interesting, the, the, the approach they took in the Superman movies, the newer one. You know, it was interesting when he said, you know, what, what why do you owe them? You know, why why do you owe these people anything? Right. And realistically, that that is the truth. He doesn't. It's is a his decision. Mm-hmm. So, and that's when Uncle Ben hits him with the line, "With great power comes great responsibility." Man, no, this I, yeah, Spider-Man. I think that's exactly yeah. right. I think that's how it happened in the co- yeah. in the movie. Yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you don't like the th- you don't like kind of a Telltale's game. I don't see. I don't think it would work too well. But again, it could be that they introduce a villain that I may not even know about yeah. in the Superman universe. I mean, there could be that a villain could, that could have him question it. Or you know what? Zod might be the perfect thing for a Superman game because it's somebody who also has the same exact power as him and that is kind of that has always told Superman and because Superman doesn't agree with him um, pretty much he's always told Superman that you have all this power why are you why are you a servant to these 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 peons of creatures like you are literally a god and then every time it's like because they, you know, blah, 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 they raised me. They're my family, blah, blah, blah. I'm one of them. I want to be one of them, you know. And I guess you could have something like that. like that. And maybe he, I don't know, does the really tropey cartoon thing where he starts to doubt himself. So he loses his powers, which uh, I don't think <laughs> no, it's Spider-Man. But, I love Spider-Man too, but that was kind of dumb. Yeah. But like, I don't, I mean, yeah, I've never been, I've never been a fan superhero, of that. Superhero, but I do. Superhero dysfunction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like, you know, that's. I feel like that's the only way you could do it. You have to find some way to dumb down his power, and Krypton is the only way to do it. But another thing you can do is you can make it where the main villain um, is something where, like, so he has all these brute force powers, essentially, right? Mm-hmm. So what if he doesn't even know who the villain is? You don't, you know, it's. It, but these people are getting murdered, and he doesn't know how to stop it mm-hmm. you know this is this is all in the background and that's a way you could actually incorporate Clark Kent because he's a journalist and it kind of goes to the whole just like Batman he's the great detective and everything mm-hmm. but I mean that was one way you can incorporate Clark Kent is this is kind of a mystery that needs to be solved and his just using his brute force isn't going to be enough but then in this scenario you know you'd have to still do you want you want him to throw punches, so so you know you have to involve the other villains like Zod and uh, Brainiac and well I guess Lex Luthor in his power suit and everything. But uh, I mean, actually, now that you mention it, I really do think maybe Brainiac would actually be probably the one of the best people to do scenarios because Brainiac is probably aside from Doomsday, who killed Superman. Um, Spoiler. Um, 
I feel like Brainiac has one of the, been one of those people that's gotten really, really close to defeating Superman in that he's always like his big plan was just to take a piece of Earth and have that for part of his collection. Mm-hmm. Like that's all his. It's all about knowledge. I'm searching the universe for knowledge, and that's all I'm doing, gathering all the knowledge. And I remember, I can't remember what uh, Superman movie or what Justice League movie it was, where the way he killed or the way he defeated a uh, Brainiac was to like take him to like a swamp or something like that and then like he was beating him up in the swamp but he was like covering with mud and the mud has microorganisms bacteria and all this mm. other stuff in it and because brain the way brainiac's brain works and something like that he's like trying to analyze all these things at once and it actually drove like like it like overloaded him or something like that it was like it was like a whole thing but apparently it has to do with <laughs> the fact that brainiac they're not going is, to a rainforest right it has to do with the fact that brainiac is technically a computer so mm. He still has to analyze everything in time. And as with the human brain, we have a lot of things that happen that just happen. We don't think about digesting food. It just happens. But for a machine, no matter what, all the functions in that machine have to be, you know, handled by some kind of process. And it has to be actively handled and such. Anyway, so the way I'm looking at it is like, yeah, it would be brain. Brain could have some way to maybe like envelop the town or whatever and make it to where, oh, now we've cut off how many things can, or places you can go. So you can actually have like a San Andreas or, or um, Grand Theft Auto five city as big as you want and then cut it off from the rest of the world. And right. like the barriers made of like kryptonite shielding for shielding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. So then he can't go. I mean, to many at the places, same time, you know, you were, t- we're talking about like, he couldn't have like little minions to fight, but for him, it would just, be, it would be hordes, you know? Yeah. Like that would be the threat. Is like just, a dynasty warrior kind of thing. Yeah, not not like they would be able to stop him. Yeah. But but I, I mean, does he like really have a health Brainiac bar? Is, you know, huh? <laughs> does Superman really have a health bar at all? No, if the sun's shining, he's always yeah. Unless all there's that, kryptonite. Have another thing, you know? you'd have to like block out the sun, or you'd have to like put a filter over the sun so the yellow light doesn't get through to to power him up or whatever. Like, there's like a whole bunch of things. Like, it'd be it'd have to be world changing in order to. Ensure that, um, like I said, unless like direct contact with the yeah, there's stuff. there's something like so. Uh, Return of Superman, you know, when they, he's trying to change the world into a kryptonite world or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, that could be a scenario where the, also the world's the been geoformed. It's ever created, but okay. Huh? Also, one of the worst Superman movies. See, that's funny. Oh man, this is gonna be an argument for. So I actually <laughs> liked that movie a lot. Um. The reason why I say it's one of the worst is because the, it, you know, it's for me, it, it went too far in terms like it got, it was so campy in my opinion. Like it was uh, the way, the way, uh, not Kevin, is it Kevin Spacey? No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kevin Spacey played Lex Luthor. was like, I don't know. It seemed like, like, like Jack Nicholson playing the Joker in the Tim Burton Batman movies, like where it was like definitely over the top and it just, it seems so weird to me. See, well, that whole, the whole, that movie was, it was a tribute to the original Superman movies, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's what they were. They were campy. And uh, I, man, even them like taking Marlon Brando, Marlon Brando's voice and, and putting that in the introduction and, uh, like everything seems so uh, just 
just in, on point. It was just such a good tribute to the originals. And I think his intention with the sequel, the one after that, he was going to make Man of Steel. Uh, I'm pretty sure his intention with that was to flip it. So I've I've paid tribute to the past, and let's and now let's move it on, move it forward. Yeah. Uh, but everyone was so mad that he didn't throw a punch. But it was it was a good story, you know. It it it, it had this, it had the stuff that makes a good Superman. You know, the whole he's not sure, but I mean. He is not sure about his place. He's not. He's just in general. He's not sure about his place in the world. And now, even more so, he's not sure if well, I still love Lois, but she has her other life. Like, mm-hmm. do I leave that alone? Or yeah, I mean, you know? that's the common superhero dilemma. Can I love somebody because I'm always putting that love person in heart or my my love? Yeah. Anyway, but I still think I'm it changed a little because bit because of, yeah. you know, like. Yeah, they they have that story where like, oh, maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't. But then he went away and now he has to accept that consequence of because uh, I mean, he, you know, he was fulfilling his own, his own needs. And then he came back and, you know, he, but he has to deal with those consequences. And I don't know. I, I, I understand. I understand why people didn't like it. So, yeah. but I understand why I, think- I liked it. I don't. Uh, I think that when I went into it, I was expecting something completely different, and then yeah. If I that think. movie was made, I I if I rewatched it, I might think of something completely different of it. I bet if you were a fan of the original Superman, you would like it. Is it? Is a? He threw up a piece uh-huh. symbol. But I don't know if that's a pause symbol. <laughs> no, we're we're rounded at about uh two hours now. <laughs> Damn it! We have so much more stuff to talk about. All right. Well, I mean, we can wrap it up with the. Uh, the Superman game discussion. Um, actually, um, I actually really had a question. Okay, okay. I had a question real quick. That's I mean, right. This is something I just wanted you to answer. I don't want to answer it. I might answer it some other <laughs> day. Um, so, um, do, 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 do. I'm locked in. Let's do this. Okay. What is your favorite class in RPGs? This is a three-part question now. So, first question is, what's your favorite class in RPGs? Dancer. I'm gonna need a serious answer, but okay. <laughs> are you are you committed to that? Because there's more questions to follow. Spoony Bard. There's more questions to follow. <laughs> are you sure? Uh, so just any RPG? Any RPG. I mean, I suppose the one that resonated with me the most. Oh gosh. It's I funny because think- the immediately I think of uh, Final Fantasy IV. And so I loved Kane, I loved Cecil, and I loved Edge. Okay. And Ryda? Ridia? Ridia? But she was my favorite. Rosa was a healer, so I'm like, eh, whatever. Uh, crap. This is a very tough question. So let's narrow it down. Do you you like tank classes, healers, DPS, magic? Those type. No, no, no. I'm just trying to narrow it down for you. Um, I've always kind of liked the most, more all rounded so like if it was xenoblade uh shulk was kind of like what is he so you have the other you have rain or ryan or whatever his name is he was kind of the tank and then um he was taking the attention and then shulk would come around and he would attack people the vulnerabilities so that's that's a dps okay okay so dps okay so in liking dps we can narrow that down on the all those characters you mentioned from final fantasy 4 we have Kane being a dragoon, definitely DPS. 
Um, we have the Dark Knight, which in Final Fantasy fourteen is technically a tank, but we can go with DPS for um for Cecil. And That's true. Then he was also well, yeah, a paladin afterwards, cover. so he was a tank. Yeah, because he he did the cover. Okay. Um, huh. and then Edge was also DPS because he was um a thief or a ninja. Right. Um. So out of those, Dragoon, Paladin, <sighs> Dark Knight, and Ninja. Well, Edge is my favorite. Okay. So you'd have probably go with like Ninja then. Uh-huh. And why is it that you like that? Why did you why do you like that class? <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's just because I like Edge. It's not even like the character class. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Well, then, so really, I, I guess for like me, it doesn't part. really matter. I, it's more so what the who the character is. Mm-hmm. So if Edge was the tank character, I'd be like, oh, I like tank characters. Okay, I mean that's fine. Um, now, which one would you want to be in real life? What kind of what RPG class would you want to be in real life? Uh, and this is a this is real life where magic exists. Uh, well, really hit me with this question. This is a difficult one. I didn't. I really didn't think it was that difficult. Well, I so I suppose I'm a little bit of a pacifist. So probably the shield class or the tank tank class. Tank class is the ones that are defending people, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, okay, that would be the tank character. Okay. Do you do you have any specific? I I feel like you don't play enough MMOs to really know these things, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> no. I didn't I didn't really think too much about that, but um, yeah, because like cause you have you have paladins who have they do short and shields, and they're they associate with light magic. You have dark knights that typically use bigger swords. They have they use a lot of like blood magic and stuff like that. Well, and then you have um you have some you have some tanks that just use uh Final Fantasy fourteen uses like. A marauder. He just uses a giant axe, and he just like rages out on everybody. I I would definitely be a tank. I I would definitely be more cons- more concerned about the people around me than I, I would I would have no problem letting other people take care of the enemy. I would I would definitely be. I know myself. I would be focused on the people around me and making sure they are not going to get hurt and all that. So, which is really weird to like think about it from that perspective. I feel like I could write a personality test based on this question. Um, so, you know what? Because your answer was a little convoluted and because I did not realize how hard it would be for you to pick a class. Um, <laughs> I guess I can give my answer. I already know that my favorite class in any RPG has always been hunters, archers, marksmen, anybody who uses bows. I like um, rear row classes that do lots of damage. That's what they're only focus. Damage, 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 damage. I play a tank in Final Fantasy XIV, but I'm currently raising my archer right now because I love him. Um, that was why. And which one do I want to be in real life? I would want to be an archer. Yeah. A what? An archer, a marksman, oh. a hunter, whatever whatever class uses the bow and arrows because I like to keep my distance. If any game actually gives you a choice of being multiple different like types of things, I always look for which one's ranged and which one does the most damage. So I don't have very accuracy, so... I don't want oh, to man. I, I love figuring out the ranged combat in a lot of games. There are certain games where just, they just don't do it very well. It doesn't click very well. So you're kind of like, eh, I'll do without it. But there, there's so many games that it typically is a different learning curve altogether to learn their range class. And that's usually why they only have one. Because it took them so long probably to program and to make it nice and... Nice and uh, uh, Concise. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, 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 yeah. 
But I, I, don't, I don't know. I was actually really expecting you to say something closer to the lines of like thief or ninja or something like that. I thought that would that'd be probably where your favorite class would lie because you did focus a lot well, on. Well, you the... said real life, and I had to think about like who I am. Oh no, no, I'm talking about just favorite class right up front. So yeah. you, you filled well, yeah. that. And your answer, why? I think I was thinking that maybe you probably you, a samurai. You'd like the, like a samurai class has always been my favorite. This okay. there's something really cool about like their this honorable warrior and all that stuff. So yeah, I see how you're trying to roll back. You want to make sure nobody thinks you're like a conniving person who hides in the dark and does assassinations. And stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, but shoot, yeah, we are officially at. Little over two hours now. All right, that means we're done. Go away, people. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> uh, until next time, we'll see you on the NVG podcast. If you're lucky. If you're lucky. If I actually get around to editing all this stuff. One day. So never. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, bye. Okay.